Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, welcome again. It is... um. Today I'm going to be talking about something that is really close to my heart. I'm going to be talking about something that I don't... I'm not necessarily coming here today to say I do this brilliantly, but I want to do this more. I want to do this better. But I also don't want to do this alone. I want to do this with you. I want this to be the kind of community that we are. Today I'm talking about waiting upon God. Now, if you've seen the movie Marley and Me, has anyone seen the movie Marley and Me? I watched it quite recently again. Um, and what it struck me was actually life with our dog, Scout, is very similar to that movie. Not 100% because it's still a movie, but pretty similar. Our dog, if you've ever met him, um, I remember bringing him to the Christmas thing here a couple of years ago and he was tiny and he's now a full-grown red healer. Um, and yes, we did buy him because Bluey was on TV and that inspired us and all that sort of stuff. And all the internet stuff said, they're great with this and great with that. Don't believe the internet. But he is a good dog. But he's a puppy mind in an adult body. And it is something pretty normal, apparently, for a red healer. Even though he's two, almost two and a half, he's still very much a puppy in the head, not in the size and in the weight. Um, but he's a lovely dog. He's affectionate. Um, he can be motivated by food, which is good, but he is stubborn, super stubborn. And if you know red healers, they are quite stocky and to try to get them to move when they don't want to, it's almost impossible. And he is still, and I take this responsibility because that's the deal I have with Rachel, still in need of much, much training. I was that embarrassed person at puppy training where who watched his dog do nothing, no matter what, or do all the wrong things when everyone else's dog seemed to be perfect. You know, seemed to be almost robots. Do this, roll over, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Not Scout. That was not his deal. But one of the things I'm trying to teach him, and I'm trying, I really am trying, and sometimes I'm failing, what I'm trying to do is teach him to wait. You know, that you have that kind of that treat that he loves, and you get him to kind of sit lie down and then I walk away and I might place it on the ground or I might keep it held in my hand and I give him the command to wait and then I give him the command to come and eat it. I see other owners do this and they can get their dogs to do all sorts of other much more advanced tricks than that in that kind of moment as well. Um, And sometimes Scout does it and I feel amazing. I feel like I'm the best owner in the world and then some, and I feel like I've made an incredible breakthrough and it's all fixed now. And sometimes he just doesn't see the point. I mean, why would you wait? The food is right there. He's salivating. He wants it. It's a treat. He knows if he gets in quick, he can grab it. But I want him to learn the skill. I want him to learn the skill to wait because I know it's the beginning of making our lives more balanced with him. 
but also it makes him safer on the road, it makes him safer on the footpath, it makes him safer when we walk along the torrents, um, when he learns to listen to my command. I'm doing it for his benefit as much as anything else. And I get it. I, as I said earlier, I can struggle with waiting too, whether it's waiting for my family to be ready. Anyone else got that issue? Um, or waiting for the microwave to finish, or waiting for transport, whether it's a train or a bus or whatever, to arrive. And you can just ask Rachel. I don't like leaving others to wait too. I hate it. It kind of puts a stress on me. I don't like being late um, to things. Um, And while I don't always achieve it, I love being early. I love it that most Sundays I'm one of the first people here Siggy's trying to beat me, but I love being one of the first people here. But not too early, because then I have to kind of wait, which is against the whole point. But um, I don't want others to have to wait for me either. I don't like being late. I don't like letting, feeling like I'm letting people down. Um, actually, I remember a few, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe this is my big sorry letter. I remember I was meant to meet Maddie, um, Maddie Lucas, and I was so late. And I'd only just been here and started as a pastor only a few months and I was so late for her and I remember going there and she had the kids and I was so much younger and she was waiting for me. Man, I could not get that out of my head for ages. I hate being late. So sorry, Maddie, if you're in the back room. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love um, future thinking. I love strategy. I love thinking ahead. It's kind of why I like house designs and dreaming and thinking what could be. It's why I kind of make up ideas about maybe what we can do here. I love all that. Um, it also means that I try to think of a present for Rachel, especially early. Um, I hate not knowing what I'm going to get her. I hate it when it gets to that week and I still haven't got it locked down in my head. But when I get that perfect present, I can't wait. And so I give it to her straight away, even if it's not her birthday. Um, now, I'm happy to wait for a train or a plane flight if I can do something in the meantime. If I can read a book or answer some emails or a text, do an game on my phone that I might like, maybe do a Wordle or a Nerdle, or if you're a Crow supporter, a Crodle. There is a lot of different things going on um, where I can kind of get that sense of doing something, that sense of achievement, but to simply slow down and wait. I find hard. Why am I saying this? We live in a world of change. It's dynamic. We live in a world that has momentum to it. We've seen how quickly things can change. The things that we're dealing with right now, the things you currently have in your faces, you couldn't have imagined two years ago. The pace of things can actually be a stimulant. It can be something that keeps you motivated and keeps you moving. It can be a great distraction. I'll think about all this sort of stuff instead of maybe the real things I need to work on in my life. But it can also exhaust us. And waiting is something technology as well has tried to remove as much as possible from our lives. That magical thing called the microwave has existed for my whole lifetime. I couldn't imagine what life lived like before, the microwave. And even then, it's not fast enough. And maybe you're not in the room today and you're listening to this online, you can actually skip ahead. You can put me at two times speed. You can, I used to do that with some of my lecturers at... um, at Bible college, because they just talk way too slow, and I'm going to get on to the next bit. Um, You can do that now. You can speed things up. You can have things at the pace that you want. And yet, through God's Word, throughout history, throughout His interaction with creation, we see the call for His people to 
wait. Listen to these words from the psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. All these words from the prophet Hosea, but you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. Now, I could have picked a number of different places from the Psalms to Micah to Isaiah to Lamentations to plenty of other places where God's people are challenged, are called, are encouraged to wait, to wait upon the Lord. And then there's this one said by Jesus himself to his followers just before he ascends to heaven. It says this from Acts 1, verse 4 to 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates my father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In every occasion, including this one in Acts, it is clear what we are called to wait for, to wait for the Lord God to wait upon him, to wait for God to be the one to act, to wait for his will to be done. And though it can be, waiting isn't purely just sitting around, but it's a posture of openness, unhurriedness, listening. It's a famous quote, but when once asked, how can I be spiritually healthy, the great Christian philosopher Dallas Willard replied, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Other authors' reflection of Willard's words seem to boil it down to this point. Do not try to make anything happen. That is what waiting on God is all about. You hear in Hosea's words, return to God. There is action. He says maintain love, maintain justice. But he says, but always wait for the Lord. Allow God to be the one in the driver's seat. Do not try to make things happen. And this is what Jesus is asking his followers too in the book of Acts. He's given them the great commission at this moment. He has taught them for three years. He has died and he has risen again. And they've gone with him on all these different things. They've gone out and seen some incredible things as he sent them and called them back. And he was now about to ascend to the Father. And then he calls them to wait to allow God to be in the driver's seat because the future mission isn't their work. It's God's work. It's his plan. He knows what's best for them. He knows what's best for the kingdom. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for the world. And it's his work that we get to partner in so they needed to wait and we need to wait. We need to wait upon God. Wait for his presence. Wait for him. Stop still enough to see him move, to hear his leading, to be his sheep who hears the shepherd's voice. 
And he gives them the promise, you will do this, you will do that, you will have the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will get deeper revelation, he talks about in John, you will be changed, you will be empowered. But wait. Wait for the Spirit to move. Wait for the Spirit, in this case, to reveal God's wider mission to all the world in what would be that incredible day at Pentecost where God is praised in all those different languages and Peter gets up with this incredible, powerful message and 3,000 people make a decision. This fisherman who once betrayed Jesus, or denied, sorry, not betrayed, denied Jesus. Wait for God's presence to be evident and doing the work And simply join in. Yes, be active, but wait for him to move and join him there. Do what it takes to see what he is doing, to hear his voice. You know, when I was um, a kid, and not so much of a kid, um, I had a number of models in the beginning, these kind of plastic models, those kind of airfix models that never really turned out right. There'd be ones that maybe I'd given it as a gift or I'd saved up my pocket money to go and buy. But I didn't know all the modelling tricks to put them together, how to do it in the right way and all that sort of stuff. And I won't bore you with it in case you're not into models. But my dad and my brother were both pretty great at it, especially my brother. He, in fact, worked at a hobby store. And he told me, they both told me just to wait, to wait for them to teach me. But they were often very busy. My brother's six years older than me. He had his own life. He was basically an adult. I didn't want to bug them. And I was, as I've kind of given you the impression before, maybe just a little bit impatient. And I didn't trust that they were ever going to help. My insecurity didn't really believe that if I waited, maybe something might happen. And as I said, the result was a disaster. Absolute disaster. It was a waste of good model. And it wasn't just one. It was a waste of a lot of good ones that never kind of got half finished and had glue sticking out everywhere and things not happening right. They were a product of my own inabilities. They were a product of my own poor judgment. I didn't have the know-how. I didn't have the understanding. I couldn't really read the instructions well. I didn't have the power to do it. I didn't have the patience to do it on my own. And I learned the hard way that I needed to listen to them. I needed to wait for them. But so often we don't want to. It doesn't matter if we're a kid or not. We just don't want to wait. We want to go ahead in our own power, in our own strength of mind, in our own strength of ability. But just like in this situation with the model, I missed out the benefits of doing something with my dad and my brother. Being Being in their presence, receiving their wisdom, learning from them, getting their perspective, getting their strength. In fact, it's quite lucky that I didn't give up making models Altogether, that was so terrible. At some point, I decided to wait, and I remember them teaching me. I remember it being great. You see, waiting is about being with God. First and foremost in all things, being open-hearted, open-handed, teachable, willing to listen, and inner patient waiting for all that God has for us. Because unlike, this is kind of where that picture of the model kind of falls apart, really. Because unlike a model which has a clear outcome and it has instructions, only God truly knows what's best for us and for his kingdom. You know, I think some of us don't like to wait because we don't want to hear what God really is going to say about something or the challenge that he might want to give us. If you don't believe me, look at the book of Jonah. That's a really great example. We don't always want to do what God lays upon it, even if it's the right thing. So we maybe just get on with things. 
And this is kind of what we see in this story here in Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. This famous story of Mary and Martha. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will be not taken away from her. Now this story that you kind of learn often when you grow up in, in church really does paint Martha in a pretty bad light. She gets a bit of a bad rap. Imagine being remembered all time for this moment. But we read in John 11 that Martha and Mary and their brother, brother Lazarus were actually very close friends to Jesus. People saw how much he loved them. And according to custom, Martha was probably doing the right thing. She was showing hospitality to a rabbi, a holy man in her home. And as a woman, she was possibly getting out the way to allow Jesus to teach the men who were in her home. Another culturally right thing to do. And so her complaint against her sister is understandable. Yet as Jesus says, Mary in listening by the feet of Jesus, waiting by the feet of Jesus, in choosing to be with Jesus over convention and expectations and duties and possibly against culture, probably getting a bit weird looks, why is she even in there? She had in fact chosen the better path. And often those of us who have followed Jesus for a while, and maybe we're a part of a serving community here, we can use waiting on God the things that we do for him over waiting upon him, being in his presence. Yes, this is me, a pastor, telling you that what you do, all the different things that you can sign up for and serve in a church, they are nothing compared to just being in God's presence. By this I mean we need to worship Jesus by being in his presence over all things else, over anything that we could possibly do for him and waiting upon him, we need to wait upon him, the beauty of the English language. We need to listen, watch for him. We, like Martha, can make it about the things that we do, these distractions, these good distractions, that sometimes we can worship instead of actually just wanting to hear what God has to say and how God wants to move about making room for his presence. This is something that we've actually encouraged each other as a worship team in the last couple of years, that above all else, above every agenda, no matter how a structure of a song might sound, whether it was good when we listened to it um, on iTunes and compared to here, it doesn't matter, none of that matters. As a team, we need to wait upon the Lord. Because making room for his presence is possibly the highest reason why we gather together. Let me say that again. Making room for his presence is possibly the highest reason why we gather. Not just a sermon or teaching or to encourage each other, to enjoy coffee, to be with each other, to sing great songs but to be in his presence together. That is the first thing. If anything we do, any ritual, any tradition, any agenda that we have cuts across that, we've missed the point. And this is why we gather for our pre-gathering prayer meeting at 10. Sometimes it bleeds out to 10 past 10, but that's why we gather together in prayer first every week 
to wait on him together, to hear the prayers of others as they pray about, their, about what they would like to see God do here today in our church family. And sometimes, like we've just had in our gatherings, we'll pause and wait, we'll encourage prayer, we'll ask for something to be said, we'll take a moment. Or sometimes we'll randomly, like last week, head into a different song that we didn't even practice because we felt the Lord leading us in that way. We want to be where he is leading us. We want to wait upon him. Most weeks we give you the opportunity to have prayer afterwards, maybe to respond to the sermon, but even if it's just for you to continue to seek, to not lose that moment, can I encourage you to take every opportunity Last year, we had awakened prayer nights with the wider RBC family. We had a night of prayer that Simon had organized for the bushfires. Why do we do this? We do all this to be close to God in the hope of being led by him, to bring our heart to him and to hear his voice. I can say one thing this year. Let us consider how we can all make room for more of him in our lives when we're together this year because to wait for him is to make room for him to be king and to be center to make room for his will in this season not our will or something that maybe worked before or or something that we just obsess about doing because we love doing that kind of program or serving in that kind of way but making room for his will his voice to sense and to see his leading and this is incredibly challenging because we want to make our faith in Jesus not about what we do but about being with him. You know, Jesus said something incredibly challenging in Matthew 7 in his, in his um, Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? And then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Ouch. Jesus is saying here, it's not about what you do. When you go to meet him at the end of your days, it's not going to, but Lord, I, I played keys every week. I, 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 I was always on the door. I, um, I took up the offering and I never kept any of it for myself. I, I, um, I was at every life group. I was at everything. It won't matter. These are all just tools. They're all just things that we do to be in his presence together, to love him together, to be community together. But none of this matters over being in his presence. Can you hear what I'm saying today? And if you hear the condemnation in Jesus' words on the mount or his condemnation to Martha, I believe that maybe you've missed the point of what Jesus is saying here. I think that Martha, in reading this back now, would be celebrating, yes, I would love to be an example. I put the wrong thing first and I just want to be with Jesus. You know, God promises again and again in Scripture, but I'll give you a couple of examples. In James in the New Testament or Jeremiah in the Old, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He says in Jeremiah, I will be found by you. And we know that he who promised is faithful. Will you respond to this promise? You know, it's easy in this world to be overcome by all the things that need to happen, by all the pressures of life. In fact, Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
Another incredible truth we hear in Jesus' words to Martha is this, that as we wait on him, as we seek his presence, as we place him as the priority, if we put him in that rightful place, he will position us into his will, into his strength. We'll hear his leading, we'll know his power. This is what we read. We read a little bit earlier on from Isaiah 40, these words that you can find put up everywhere in Kurong, and it says, Even youths will faint and be weary, the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary, they'll walk and not faint. There is always going to be a limit to what we can do and see in our own strength, no matter who we are, no matter what age we are, no matter how we're feeling in ourselves. But we aren't to do life by ourselves, but in God, in his strength, in his peace, in his wisdom, in his grace, in his power. And we see this in the dramatic and lasting transformation of the first followers into the birth of the church. In their weakness, God, by his spirit, became their strength and their authority. In waiting, they powerfully joined the move of God at the right time, and the world was forever changed. They didn't bring tongues of fire upon themselves. God did it. They didn't know how to speak the other languages. God did it. And so what does this waiting look like? It's whatever it takes for you, like Mary, to be placed listening at the feet of Jesus. It's all the things I've talked about that we're already trying to do in our gatherings to make room when we're here together physically, but all the different things that you can do by yourself. It's at a coming to the end of yourself and only wanting your next steps to be led by the Lord, only wanting to remain in his will and in his presence, only wanting to do life in his power. Waiting is the habits that humble us before him, the habits that undo the striving that we have to make things happen in our own strength and wisdom alone, but rather allowing his spirit to lead and to create and to empower. A little bit later on in the year, we're going to be spending time talking about what Sabbath is about. And one key part of what Sabbath is about is stopping to allow God to lead, to put him in the rightful place. These habits that humble us are about desiring to hear the voice of God by prioritizing things like prayer and worship, immersing yourself and placing prayer as a priority, stopping to hear the voice of his spirit. You know, as far as I'm concerned, our gathering actually starts at 10, even though it says 10.30 on the board, because at 10, that is where the first group of people gather together to pray and to begin together in that space. These habits that immerse ourselves maybe in the word, listening, or ones that do you deliberately put as rhythms in your life so you can listen to the wisdom of the word or listen to the wisdom of others who God has placed in your life to lead you and to teach you and to challenge you. Habits that pause you to listen and eliminate the desire to hurry and to be in control. Like I said before, Sabbath. Pausing life regularly to be open to give him glory and to not have control yourself. And maybe it's pausing to wait upon God instead of getting involved in things that you do for God and letting him tell you what to pick up and what to put down. So I, when people first join our community, 
I don't encourage them to be on rosters straight away at all. I want them to be here with us. I want them to be in God's presence with us. I don't believe in everyone being on every week. I want to have a wide roster of different people doing different things, hearing different voices, doing, serving in different ways. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to see anybody falling into that trap of feeling like all you do is things for God instead of waiting upon him and being present in community with him. As a finish, I want to say that incredibly in his love for us that God too actually knows what it is to wait. Listen to these words from David in Psalm 103, verses 1 to 4 and then 8. Praise the Lord my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and who crowns you with love and compassion. And then he goes on and says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. God knows what it is to wait. To each of us, he is compassionate and gracious and patient, slow to anger and abounding in love, and yet he is king. It's his will being done in the renewal of all things. But he, in his character, in his heart, is, the, is God who wants to include us. He, want, he waits to enable relationship with us. In Revelation 3, we read that he stands at the door of our lives and knocks, desiring to come in and to abide with us and us with him. It's a two-way relationship. And honestly, you might say today, look, if I'm really, really honest, I don't actually really know God. Or you might say, I've never really waited. Maybe I'm scared to hear what he has to say or... Maybe it's so much easier to make it about the things that I do. You might be the kind of person that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, doing the Christian things, looking nice and Christian, but you don't actually know God. You can make today different. Because he is compassionate, because he is gracious, you can make today different if you slow down, draw near to him. He has promised that he will draw near you, draw near to you as you take that humble posture. You see, the psalmist praises the Lord because he knows, because he has seen the character of God. So he praises him from his inmost being because he knows how amazing God is. He wants to wait for him. And unlike us and our limitations, God is love itself. The good father, able. He is able to do immeasurably more. His will is good, perfect and complete. He is able and he is faithful to accomplish what he has promised to his plan for renewal of all things. Will you become someone who waits upon the Lord? Who chooses to draw near to him today? Set up regular rhythms in your life to say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do anything without God's presence. Today, I want to give you a gift. I want to give you a moment of waiting. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do this together. I want all of us to do it. So even the band isn't going to come up now. But what I'd like for us is to listen to this song. I want to encourage you to close your eyes just so that you can focus or to look down if you don't want to close your eyes to listen to the words of the song, but more than that, 
more importantly, to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. Let's wait on him together as this song plays. so deeply desire relationship with us. We thank you that your will and your way is perfect. But we're sorry for being distracted. For allowing ourselves to be overstimulated by different things that are going on to the point of exhaustion. We're sorry when we've made things about everything else instead of about you. Well, what you call us to in some ways is so simple that in our own pride, we want to make it about so much more. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you to serve your people, to be a family where gifts and different things, talents and abilities celebrated, able to be given, received. Thank you that we're a family. You call us to be generous and to hospitality and all of those great proactive things. But Lord, if we ever allow those things to get in the way, of your presence in our lives individually and here as a community. Lord, we're sorry. And we want you by your spirit to remind us. We pray that you help us to hear and your voice in the wisdom of others. Maybe those who have journeyed with you for a long time. Lord, call us and remind us to to pray and to humble ourselves. We thank you that you are gracious. But Lord, you have an incredible plan for the world, for our lives, for this neighbourhood. You are passionate about. We want to hear your voice so we can join in with what you're doing what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this neighbourhood, what you're doing in this city, what you're doing in the world. And Lord, we want to wait on you together.
Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.